Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now, you know me, never one to lean away from a controversial opinion, so I've been thinking a lot about Sunday roasts. Because to some people's mind, the summer is when you stop eating a Sunday roast. And I think this sort of prohibitive seasonal behaviour around a roast is pathetic, actually. However, it has come to my attention that some people deem it, shall we say, socially acceptable to serve a roast with mashed potato. Now, I am no stranger to a potato three ways. I've got an Irish passport after all. But mashed potato on a roast is very Protestant behaviour, if you ask me. Also, when you go out for a roast and they give you three roast potatoes. Three roast potatoes. What is this? A fucking potato famine? What are we in? Angela's ashes? Give me a pile of roast potatoes and you can have your way with me. Honestly, it is that easy. After the Welcome back to another round of After the Tone. I'm Scotty, your host, and together with the ATT crew, we filter through your voice notes to bring you all of the gossip you could have hoped for. And, I mean, a fair chunk of it that you didn't ask for, to be fair. On today's show, Jojo has their mojo back and more chat about fatness. But before that, if you want to get involved, the number to call is coming up at the end of the show. And remember, you can join in the fun over on Instagram and Twitter where we eagerly await your company, apparently. Oh, who writes this stuff? I don't want these people anywhere fucking near us. I, do, I have to listen to what their fucking bowels do. After I'll make me sad me, sad me. I don't want to see fucking pictures of their fucking cats as well. At After The Tone, P-O-D, we'd love to see you over there. Um, Debbie's back, apparently. I mean, she's not talking to me. She's just sat in the corner sulking. Apparently, she's considering strike action. So I told her to go fuck herself. So Maya's doing on the buttons today. <laughs> Hello, Maya in the driving seat. Lovely to see you. So without further ado, let's see what constitutes an entertainment format, so-called comedy podcast in the year of our God, the little baby Jesus, 2022. Hi, Scotty. I produced Debs, Tim, Kat, Maya. 
It's uh, Nat here. Just calling quickly in response to a friend who said, am I the arsehole because I like hygiene? No, I uh, had that happen to me. Class, it's just the fucking men in it. Never had this with women, uh, but with I've had this a couple of times with guys and it's just like, wash your fucking scrote. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking dirty and like, no, no. I don't want to get up in there when you're all sweaty and gr- no, it's it's disgusting actually. It's a turn off, and unless, like you say, it is always like a legitimate kink, you're just a lazy arsehole who just wants oral sex on on demand. And I'm not I'm not going to enjoy it if it's disgusting down there like some fucking manky swamp. Do you know what I mean? I'm no, I don't want to go swimming in a swamp. Do I? I might enjoy swimming. But not in that environment. Uh, so you're not an arsehole, my friend. You just have standards. Hello. Sorry, it's not again here. I feel really privileged and all glowy and gooey inside today. Do you know why? Because <laughs> Scotty's replied to my DMs. Oh, my God. I feel a little bit famous. It's given me a real shine. And I got really pissed off with some work stuff that happened today. But then Scotty just replied to all of my messages on Instagram. I've never felt so famous. Oh, my God. Anyway, I just, uh, man, what a hit of dopamine. Thanks, Scotty, love. You've made my fucking week. I'm always going to remember that now. And I'll be like, oh, my God, he actually thinks I'm worth speaking to. Oh, I don't need external validation. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Love you guys. Bye. See, Debbie, this is the problem with being too accessible on the internet. People think you like them. I know it's shocking, is it? I mean, uh, do you know what? In some circles, they call me Princess Diana, I know that. But, I mean, people just have far too much accessibility to me, don't they? Oh, hello, Nat. Lovely to see you there. I'm so glad we had that very memorable conversation with each other. (laughs) I got fucking... Because this is the thing, right? I might know who you are on this place, but on that other place, I don't know who other people are as well, because I'm just, I am a bit of a gossip monger, to be fair. I mean, this podcast is less of a an idea and more of a way of life for me, because I just like to have a bit of a chat with people. Somebody messaged me the other day and they said, I served you in a restaurant a few months ago and you were really lovely. And I said, well, I'll let me mum know. And then I just proceeded to look through pictures of their allotment. Do you know what I mean? It's just nice to have a chat with people, isn't it? It's nice to be nice, nice to have a bit of a gossip and a chat and why not make money out of it (laughs) so i'm glad my presence has healed your life from everything that because that's kind of what i was reading there between the lines was actually i've had a major effect on you in your life and i mean lucky you i'm yet to meet someone to have a major effect on my life now yes this is the call from last week about polyamory and the partner now full disclosure I also spoke to this person in the DMs and they were like, oh, I think I need to clarify some things. Actually, the boyfriend's really lovely. I feel really bad for like (laughs) slagging him off, etc. It basically spurred a really lovely conversation with this person about non-monogamy and polyamory and just like having a bit of a gossip. But it got me thinking when I listened back to the episode last week, I was like, there is this like fear. Those of us who have foreskins in our lives... sentences you never thought you'd say there is an etiquette around the whole thing and I do think you know it is right that we should say because some people are sort of into the sort of muskiness but some people are very anti it as well (laughs) just do you know what sometimes I have like a disassociation on this podcast where I'm like is this 
an actual thing that we think is important to talk about, but evidently it is. I mean, I'd be really keen to hear from somebody who does like the sort of musky aroma they might like. You know, it don't have to be just down there. And it don't have to be if you've got a foreskin. It could be with other bits as well. Because, you know, not a shameful community here. would be interested to know sort of like what that is because it has it's a very polarizing subject isn't it well hard hitting over here <laughs> hi scotty hi producer deb hi tim cat and maya um kate here i realize i've never introduced myself and that's rudy that's the baby we were on a few weeks ago and scotty you said you thought i was new around here and I have to say I was a little bit offended because I've been featured on the podcast no less than six times. So I've obviously got um, a very unmemorable voice. And you also said in that episode a lot how you're so good with remembering everyone's voices, <laughs> remembering who people are. So, you know, double double whammy there for me. Um, but yeah, I've never actually introduced myself. I am Kate. I live down south, as you can hear from my accent. And I had this little baby, Rudy. He's just turned seven months, so back in November. Um, and I rang back then when I was feeding him, he was about three days old, but yeah, he's now a lot bigger than that. He's, we're sat in the garden under a little UV tent thing and he's playing with the washing up bowl full of cold water and he's butt naked and very happy. So that's my summer day plan. That's my Monday. Say bye, Rudy. Nah, not playing ball. So one minute I'm fucking changing people's lives and next I can't even fucking remember who anyone else is. Listen, that was quite a sinister opening, wasn't it? <laughs> I, also, I really enjoyed just the silent sound of the baby going... <laughs> Do you know what, Kate? I, I just had to look down. I just had to look down at my notes. <laughs> Kate, can we get you a more memorable name, please? It's very, It's very bland. <laughs> Rudy, oh, uh, th- you know, there's many a cultural reference point there. I can remember Rudy, but Kate, before you come on, everybody, you know, if you could just invent a name that's a bit more memorable. <laughs> See, one minute, changing people's lives, the next minute, fucking they're upcasting against me. Ow, you don't remember who it was? I've called seven times. Fucking hell. Hello, dear Scotty. Hello, dear producer Deb. Hello, all the crew. It is such a beautiful thing having you guys and all the wonderful listeners in my ears. I just thought I'd be brave and send a little message. I actually have been binge listening and I have just been listening to beautiful Fran talking about her experiences with grief and miscarriage. And I had a hard, uh, a hard relate. I'm kind of in a little bit of a different situation myself, but I had four failed IVF transfers and um, I don't think I let myself grieve for them as possible pregnancies for a long time. So my last attempt would have been in July 2020 and it took me a long time, I think, to to properly recognize the grief for what it was. And I just think, as I know you've said before on the podcast, I have only love. I don't have a lot of advice except that I think that time did really help me and um, therapy really did help me. And I guess one thing that I'm learning is um, kind of allowing myself to feel all the feels. So I'm someone who really likes to be positive, you know, and, um, and sometimes I just try too hard to be positive and fight 
the kind of the feelings that need to be expressed. Um, and so it's just a beautiful thing to hear people on here being so incredibly brave and vulnerable and allowing themselves to feel all the feels and receive your kindness and your open arms and the open arms of the listeners as well. So sending so much love. Um, it's, it's a gorgeous thing you're doing. I feel like we've all, I don't know, I feel like it's a beautiful group of um of what of of you created a gorgeous community of friends and um yeah i am just here with an open heart thank you for making me feel a part of it even just as a listener uh until now and lots of love to all take care well you know me with an irish sounding person listen you're more than welcome very memorable voice there not saying anything about you there over in the corner am i yeah very memorable voice there lovely sing-songy very bright very breezy anyway welcome to the room i believe you're a first time caller or you'll probably call next week and tell me you've called 25 times before (laughs) i know i say all the time but the openness i mean you lot you always say you love the podcast thanks for creating it listen we uh, we barely do anything well i mean everybody (laughs) i barely do everything everybody else spends hours like making me and you lot sound cohesive (laughs) and making it work on all the internet buttons and all that all i do is i sit here and i have a waffle with you do you know what i mean so i think from the team we are always so surprised with the openness that people approach this place with you know to be able to come in and be like so here is some really traumatic things that have happened in my life, but I'm sharing them with you because I thought it'd be interesting to have this conversation or I want to respond to somebody else. So, you know, I know I say it a lot, but the generosity of you lot is like fucking beautiful. IVF. Now, going through that, not only I think what I want to acknowledge there is there's two different systems at play here, right? There's the the brain and the body because there is all of that tax taxation if that's a word on the mind and thinking about like it happening it not happening you know preparing yourself mentally to go into these spaces preparing for quote-unquote what I think some people call failure you know the headspace the amount of uh, bandwidth that that must take just to mentally be a part of that process I think very difficult I can only imagine. The nearest thing I think that uh, long-term listeners will know that I've had an experience with was with the adoption system in England, which is a whole fucking other kettle of fish altogether. Very different. Um, But, you know, I'm using my closest touch points here. And the mental agility that it took just to kind of navigate some of that system. But also, like, the labour on your body, one for a better word... I mean, I don't know too much about the system, but I have had family members that have gone through that and just knowing parts of that process. Oh, you know, and I wonder if both of those are ever seen. I wonder if we socially in our society and our friendship groups, we only really acknowledge those as being something that happens to the body and not something that's happening to the mind. Hmm. This has got me thinking... Maybe this is by the by, but stick with me here. But there's something that's been going around in my mind. It's about the uh, decision that people make or when people know that they want to have a family or they don't want to have a family. And the difference between people who get to make that decision and people who don't. And the difference between people who get to choose how they want to have a family and the people that don't. And it's... I guess because maybe I'm, like, getting to the age, like, this year I'll be, like, 37. And there is this, like, heteronormativity 
voice within me that sometimes gets louder, which is like, should you have had a family? Is that the thing that needs to happen right now? And then other times I'm just like, no, I don't think that is my calling. I don't know. But I don't know. But yeah, it's that idea of being able to choose those who can choose and those who can't. And anyway, this is a sort of very confused response to you, I guess. And I I think they're often the best because I'm often left thinking about these calls weeks after. Maybe you've had experience of this, listener, and I would love you to contribute to this chat. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate you coming here with this conversation. Speak soon, I hope. Oh, also, I can't stop singing the theme tune. Um, So well done to the brilliant creative people and uh, voices uh, on that theme tune. It's awesome and a total earworm. And I hope if I do get a nickname, it's more more to do with uh, me singing the theme tune than than with infertility. Anyway, uh, lots of love to all. Hello, Scotty, Tim Cat, my producer Deb, and everybody at the pub. Oh, it's Jojo with a with their mojo, by the way. So, firstly, the important things: a cup of tea does taste better if it's from a gas-fired kettle. It just does. Uh, whether that's psychosomatic, where you like, you know because it's done that way you think it's better either way it's better i'd like to chime in on the bi chat yeah i am bisexual as well and i experienced everything that those those two callers called up about last week always feeling like you don't fit in you're always having to come out again and again again scotty like i agree with what you say that we all have come out late and i think that's a really interesting point one question about one of the callers about bisexuality and the wedding my advice would be do what you want to do and just be prepared that there may be consequences or not because I think sometimes I've come out about certain things like being non-binary or being um, queer or or bisexual um, and some people are just like oh okay and they never really make a big deal of it it's never sometimes it's not as big deal as you think it's going to be but if your family are homophobic uh, queerphobic then yeah obviously that's a different different kettle of fish so for my wedding so i am also i'm married to a man and our on the outset our marriage looks heterosexual but as i get older i'm progressively moving away from that and how i identify and especially to do with gender as well um so i would say that actually a bit of a confession really i regret a lot of how my wedding went i wanted to get married in a in a suit second choice was to wear like a different color dress that wasn't white and without going into too much detail like my you know my mum is incredibly conscious of what her family thinks of her and what um everyone thinks of her and and that has also trickled down onto me so that really clouded the entire wedding was what people thought um and if I could go back and I've had a lot of therapy to try and get through this and I'm I'm letting go of it like you know year on year but As I look back, I'm like, God, I wish I'd wore what I wanted. I wish I'd done it in a way that I wanted. Um, Because it's a really big moment in your life. However big or small the wedding is, it's a massive moment. So in my experience, I would say hold on to things that are really important to you to do. And don't do it for, for anyone else. Yeah. 
Alright, well I'm sad that the series is ending very soon, but I look for you know, I know you guys need a break, you're selfish, selfish twats. But um yeah, have a nice break and um love you all. Jojo, lovely to have you back, babes. Honestly, love your voice. And I also love that you always give us like a call that's often in an environment and it just makes me think, oh, where are they? What are they doing? Anyway, cup of tea. I always, do you know, I want to add to these thoughts that I've been putting out there because nobody asked me, but who gives a fucking shit? (laughs) I think cup of tea is superior in a massive mug. You know, there is that sports shop, which I won't name, but they do those massive mugs. I mean, it's the only fucking redeeming quality about them. They do those absolutely massive, giant mugs. And I think a cup of tea in one of those tastes absolutely beautiful. Now, of course, I'd never get to the end of it. Of course I don't. I mean, I think a good sign of a successful cup of tea is that you actually can't finish it. Anyway, I'm just going to put that out in the room. When you were saying about the advice for the other person... It's that thing about boundaries. And, you know, I've spoken about this a lot, but successful boundaries are when you are not worrying about the effects that your feelings and your needs are going to have on other people. And it takes a lot of practice and it's much easier said than done, isn't it, Jojo? You know, like, it's easy for us to sit here and say to that person, well, this is what you want to do, you know, but, you know, enacting a boundary is, is, is very difficult. There is something there that I wondered if we could elaborate and like pull out on because there are some people who are listening who have mentioned a sort of similar relationship setup. They are a queer or a pan or an NB person and they are often read as being in a het relationship. And I'd be really interested to know how that comes out and who that comes from and what it is to be misread in that way it also made me think about second weddings actually maybe like Jojo because you know you were like yearning for a sort of different shape I wonder between you and your partner if you could have your own little wedding in the way that you wanted it to be you know I think that's probably the joy of honeymoons isn't it it's essentially like the reason why you're coming together but without any of the palaver of family members that one indoors and i we got married about oh god how many years ago let me work that out in my head i mean we've known each other for almost 20 we worked that out the other day we've known each other for almost 20 years and i almost fell over i thought fuck me i mean he's known me for as long as i've had some pairs of underpants that's a worry isn't it when you know somebody that long anyway we got married probably about eight years ago now and i remember holding very hard on kind of like what we wanted and how we wanted to do it like we met down the aisle and we gave each other a high five we were both wearing suits made from fabric and by a person that we wanted them to be we did like a meal beforehand for just family we didn't like feed everybody and put on a free but like we just had a lot of controversial opinions that family members were like oh no you can't do that and we were like "Mm, we're we're going to that's what's happening we're doing it and actually it was so memorable because I think we just made it in the way that we wanted to and I do remember him indoors was just like there was this pressure because he'd attended other friends weddings and they'd done certain things for him that he felt he needed to repay that and I was just like we ain't got the money one and also like this is the joy of like being queer like the rule book wasn't made for us so therefore one doesn't exist thanks Jojo it's lovely to have you back oh I fancy a cup of tea now Hi Scotty, hi producer Deb, uh, Tim, Katmeyer, everyone at the pub. Um, I'm Ren, I, um, I'm new and I'm <laughs> very shy, very nervous, first time caller. But I wanted to chime in about 
being othered as a fat person. I am a smaller fat, which, you know, is by the by, um, but I have felt othered in many facets of my life, but no more than the othering that I've done to myself. And I hope, ho- hopefully I'm, I'm uh, not the only person who's done this, but I got it into my head from childhood that I couldn't do the same things as everyone else because I was fat. And I assumed that uh, that was all of the external... Sorry, I am very nervous. It was all of sort of external factors telling me that because I was fat, I couldn't do things or be the things that I wanted to be. And now, as an adult, as a 34-year-old individual, I still tell myself, oh, no, I can't do that because I'm fat. And that is bullshit and <laughs> I think I've gotten away from that as I've gotten older but I don't know I'm, I'm rambling maybe maybe this is something that everyone else has had some experience with where you have gotten to the point of othering yourself uh, when really as the caller from the, the previous show said we are hot fat people are hot and I wish I'd realized that when I was younger um but I know now um so yeah thank you Uh, i love the show uh it's uh, nice to call in finally (laughs) bye hi small fat wren oh i think you said your name was wren what a gorgeous name as well hello welcome to the room first time etc now let's just explain this for some people who might not be up on the fat lingo in fatness and in circles in which we talk about fatness and when we come to fat acceptance we also start to talk about what type of fat now i know non-fat people will be listening to this being like well i thought you were just all fat no 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 oh there's there's a hierarchy within that as well darlings so we have small fats mid fats big fats or chubs, or super chubs, and this sort of helps us understand the sort of privileges within fatness, because I also am considered a small fat person, which means I could probably walk into a high street shop, it would be an absolute nightmare, as it is for anybody over a certain number, but I could find something that would fit across my body in some form of way, whereas some mid fats, or some super fats, or some super chubs, etc., they do not have that ability to be able to do that because capitalism does not provide for many, it provides for the few. I mean, I always find that such a conflicting thing. Oh, here we go, we're going to go into it. Because ugh, capitalism, often the root of all evil, but there's also that thing of like, but I would just like to buy some clothes to wear and I would like that not to be a hassle. There is part of me that does yearn to be able to have the choice of being capitalist. And being robbed of choice, I think, is a kind of a big theme that we talk about here on ATT in many different forms. Now, the one major, I think, thing that I discounted myself from, from kind of very early teens until probably I was like 24, 25, and I so regret this like 10 years of not being able to swim this fear of going into a swimming pool and taking my clothes off and attempting to swim or just having such inherited fear that I couldn't do it, I'd be laughed at, I'd be mocked, etc. When actually, 
I love swimming pools, particularly like community pools. They are just full of other people who have got similar hang-ups or relationships with their bodies. I mean, the swimming pool is like the playground, right? But it's a playground for the weirdos. It's where weirdos have come together and gone, I just want to move in water. And I love it for that. I love being around the fats and the nanas, which is largely the two demographics of people that use my pool. And the joy that I get from it and from movement and being in water I absolutely adore and I wonder other ways in which we've discounted ourselves as fat people I would love us to take this chat on further Hi Scotty and Deb and Tim, Kat and Maya I don't have a nickname I've rang a few times anyway I had a revelation a few weeks ago I've never identified as that word I've always ran from it I've cringed when it said in my presence. I remember being a kid in primary school and it being mentioned in biological terms or in kind of food science-y kind of ways and just actually inhaling and holding my stomach for the duration of, you know, the lesson or whatever. So I've never had, not not like consciously or, but I've never had fat friends like as a child or as a teenager or as an adult you know people you could swap clothes with or even go shopping with without it being extremely uncomfortable or knowing that you could only go to two places yeah so you're my fat friend (laughs) and I really want to see fat blokes so recently I've been thinking about actually you know claiming the word fat or just taking it and trying to take the sting out of it or just not trying to avoid it So as a result, there is an arts project that we're looking for submissions and fatness is the central theme. Um, But now I'm kind of going, um, am I fat enough? It's like, um, do they mean to kind of bigger people or, you know, people who aren't ashamed of it or, you know, it's like I'm, I'm not. Now I'm not fat enough, basically, is what my brain is telling me. The aim for me would be neutrality, acceptance. Anyway, this is way too long. I love the pod. I love the people that I've come to follow on Instagram and other places through the pod. You truly are a radical bunch of wonderful weirdos, as you call everyone. And to be honest, I feel very vanilla and like I have very little to contribute but anyway bye oh hello now I think you're the poet and you'll know what I mean by that because long-term long long-term listeners will know that this was one of my favorite calls of all time you know we could call you the fat poet if that feels like a word that you want to uh, start to have a relationship with it was so interesting when you started that call I was like what is the word but yes fatness is the road to it is is so interesting you know my internet handle is at scott is fat you can follow me if you like and it's so interesting when people are like they'll message me and they're like scotty isn't fat scotty is hot or scotty isn't fat and i'm just like oh my like fuck the back the fuck off bitches because i mean the effort and the energy that it's taken to get to a place using fat for what it is it's a descriptor it's a bit like saying that is blue that is round 
that is fat. It is just a way of describing something. But the coercion of others around us that then we adopt, and I totally understand this idea of not feeling fat enough or legitimately fat. I think when I first came into quote-unquote like fat or body positive circles, I too felt so alien from it because... There felt like there were so many rules. It felt like he had to be fat and excellent. And fat excellence is something that really pisses me off. This idea that to be fat, you have to look immaculate. You have to, like, be wearing the right clothes. It's like, it's so dull. You know, I just want to be fat. I want to be fat and boring. (laughs) I want to be fat and interesting. And to your comment about feeling vanilla, I mean, anyone who thinks that they are not weird is an absolute weirdo in my world. So, you know, and also, if you're hanging out here... But there is this idea about legitimacy and fat legitimacy. And I think something that I just want is body autonomy. I don't want to be body positive. I don't want to be sold a fucking smelly soap because that's going to make me feel better about being a big fat bitch. That's not how it works. You know, I leave the shower and I'm still living in a fat phobic society. I can't fucking light my way out of a scented candle with this one, I'm afraid. I just want my body to be autonomous. I just want to be able to make choices for myself and for not there to be a running commentary about my body by other people because it's none of their fucking business. Anyway, lovely to hear you again. See you soon. Oh, and that fat thing that's an art thing or something that you're contributing to, do it. Really fucking do it. Go on. I dare you. Time for a little breather, I think. Coming up, working out your sexuality label, a return caller share some love, and... <laughs> oh, of course, a turd in a Tupperware. But first... <laughs> the British Podcast Awards are live. And, you know, like, if a turd in a Tupperware isn't going to get us an award, I don't know what is. You have to pay for the privilege of getting shortlisted. Fuck that! Do that robbery if you ask me. I'm not paying for a trophy. But listen, they've got a Listener's Choice Awards. Um, so you could vote for us for free. For nothing. Go on, do us a favour. Come on, please. We'd love to get the pub a little certificate. Do you know what I mean? Britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Now, listen, I know a lot of you are bought to tears of people on the ponce for a couple of quid. But we wouldn't ask if we didn't need it, would we? Because ATT needs your support to keep the place going. Why? Well, because we're trying everything possible to keep this place not being overrun by unethical sponsors and corporations who think gays only exist in June. So, if you can, we'd love it if you can join us on Patreon. You get access to my show notes, um, gossip, you can talk to each other, there's some polls, and then as of next season, there'll be some members exclusives too! Ooh! Patreon.com forward slash after the tone. And finally, uh, next week is the end of season party. You know, we like to do a little do and have a nice little send-off, because, you know, we're, we're going away for a couple of weeks. Well, next week I'm off down London with Deb if she's back from strike and I'll be co-presenting the show with Drumroll Please Maya My Mum <laughs> Yeah my mum Sarah will be in the hot seat with me listening to your calls, questions and confessions. If you've got a question for her, we want to hear from you. Uh, the number is coming up shortly or you can find it in the show description. Right. It's time for your favourite and mine. Oh, I've been longing for the return of this. It's time for the 10-second confession. 
I live in a house that has only one bathroom. Very many number of years ago, my husband went upstairs for a shower. I was desperate for a poo. I pooed in a Tupperware box, hid it in the kitchen drawer, clean forgot about it. He found it the next day. Oh, I do have questions, you know, about what Tupperware was it? How big was it? Was it one of those disposables ones that you get from a Chinese takeaway? There are levels in Tupperware, isn't there? Because you've got your good Tupperware for good. And then you've got your Tupperware that you think, I'll keep that just in case someone comes over and they want to take them leftovers or a bit of cake home. Do you know what I mean? They're not having your good Tupperware, for God's sake. They're not having, you know, your fancy, thick plastic stuff that you bought from the catalogue. <laughs> Where did you hide it? I'm left with so many questions. Excellent. 10 points. Well done. Hello, Scotty, Tim, Kat, Maya, Debbie, everyone at the pub. Yeah, I'm a middle term listener, nervous newbie caller. And I'm just calling because I really, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been talking on the podcast about pansexual, bisexual identities and erasure. I've really, really related to all of those conversations. I'm bi slash pan slash queer, still figuring out the terminology that I want to label myself with. Also, like the person who called in about being pansexual, I'd say I came to the identity relatively late. I'm 30 now. Um, have probably only been labelling myself as bi, usually I use bi, for the last couple of years really. But obviously you look back and you realise you did you did know for a long time. Kind of happily out to lots of friends, but also not out to family. And I think part of that, for me, it's not actually because I think my family are particularly homophobic or anything like that. I actually think... They just wouldn't get it. I've been in a relationship with a man for about 10 years, very happy in that relationship, have had really open conversations with my partner about my identity and like we have really open discussions about that and that's all good. But I really relate to this like on one end of the scale, not feeling queer enough for the community because... I'm in a seemingly straight relationship, even though it's very much not. On the flip side of that, feeling like it's really difficult to explain to people, to come out to people. It's just tiring people not getting it. And selfishly, you kind of want people to cheer and celebrate when you come out to them. You kind of want that side of things. I've just found the conversation really lovely and a bit emotional, really, because it's really hard to know where exactly you fit. Oh, hi, new person, middle-term listener, new nervous new caller. <laughs> MTLNNC. <clears throat> Going to clear my throat for this one. Now, Pan and Bioerasia sounds like a, a supergroup from the 80s, doesn't it? <laughs> Which I really quite enjoy. This got me thinking about terminology and how it's a double-edged sword, right? Because it's useful for us to be able to, like, feel like we belong, know who we are, understand the shape of who we are. But also, it also gives limitations, doesn't it? It also confines us and says, this is now who you are. Because once that's left your body and you said, I am, 
forevermore everyone will think, well, you are. You know, until you have to, like, continually come out. And so I was thinking, like, how terminology and language fails us in the present all the time. And, you know, last week when I was talking about, like, not really being able to find the language that fits me as a person, you know, like, am I this, am I that, when actually I just feel like I'm a big faggot? And, you know, there's such outrage around that. You know, if you say that you're a faggot to someone, people are like, they just don't know where to put it. They're like... But that's a bad one. Like, I can deal with queer because that's being reclaimed, but I can't deal with faggot. You know, like, people like... And also people within the community are, like, outraged by it. But I'm like, it was what I was called, and it is my reclamation, and it feels really important for me to be able to, like, regain that in a way. But I understand it stings. And maybe that's kind of what I want. I want it to sting. I don't want to have this, like... Corporation pride logo sexuality gender person, you know. I mean, I just want to be a fucking weirdo. Leave, leave me be a fucking weirdo with these other weirdos here, please. Thank you very much. Now, there is this pressure to be out, isn't there? Like to be successfully queer. Insert word here. To be successfully blank, you need everybody to have known and there to be a story. There's also this idea that there has to be a trajectory as well, that one's family might, like, reject us, you know, like, these these stories are so helpful in us understanding the very different ways in which we come out or come to our identities, plural. But they shouldn't be rules. There isn't a law that says your family knows, therefore you are successfully insert word here. Something that I was really interested in, and this is sort of an elaboration of the question that I asked the room in the first half, was about this idea of when your relationship is read as straight or heterosexual or quote-unquote heteronormative. What is it to hold that space and be monogamous? Now, I don't know if this person is monogamous at all, This is a new thought and a question. But if you are in a relationship which is deemed heterosexual, which is deemed heteronormative, and you are in a relationship with somebody who is read as being the opposite to you or being normative, you know, it's so clumsy. Like I said, language fucking fails us, right? And it's failing me right now. How... If you are monogamous, do you then exercise your queerness? Or do you need to exercise your queerness? Oh, God, that's really interesting, isn't it? And is queerness then more cultural? Because okay, this this is what I mean about this failing. Because this is like, this sounds like I'm making the assumption that, like, people who are already in heterosexual relationships are um, not having queer sex. That's not what I mean. It's about the reading of it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, God. How do I articulate this sense of, like, is some of the feeling of being not queer enough? Of course, that's all completely imposed upon you. But is it easier if you are able to touch parts of your life with other partners in a sort of non-monogamous setup? As you can hear, I don't know. And that's all right. I'm just going to end off by saying, I don't know, but thank you so much for this mental stimuli because I am now like, oh my God, am am I a Tory for thinking these things? (laughs) Hi, Scotty and crew. Um, This is Rachel, um, sometime listener, first time caller. I just wanted to call in to 
comments on um, the two people on the latest podcast talking about sort of internalised biphobia and birasia. It's something that I sort of really related to. So myself and my partner came out to our families as pansexual last year, which was one of the hardest things I think I've ever done. You know, just sort of feeling so, so vulnerable while doing that. Um, It was a massive relief. So I feel like I'm getting slightly emotional talking about it, actually. (laughs) And yeah, it was really, really difficult, but I'm glad I did it. And then over sort of the last few months, uh, I'm starting to sort of question the term that I use or or label or sort of whatever you want to say. I feel myself, I find myself sort of interchanging between sort of pansexual or bisexual or queer. And I, I don't know if I've hundred percent found what works for me. I feel like at the moment sort of queer works best, but then so I start doubting myself and again that sort of internalized biphobia comes back. Again, I think this is sort of amplified during Pride Month, which is what you sort of mentioned, Scotty, is about again sort of doubting myself. So yeah, if I'm using sort of bisexual to one person and then pansexual to another, I feel I feel have this doubt that someone's going to come along and say oh my god Rachel you're, you're you know you're using the wrong thing or you're not you're not really pansexual or queer because you keep using different terms and that's sort of what I wanted to add in which again I feel like I'm creating more questions here <laughs> on top of the other two callers but yeah I just wonder whether anyone else has sort of had those sort of doubts as well. Hello welcome Rachel now if Anybody says to you, no, you're not, or you're not enough, or you keep on changing your mind, I'll tell you what, send them my way, and I'll have a fucking word with them, believe me, because you make your mind up, or don't. You do what you need to in your own time. Questioning, I think, is so useful, because we change as people. We're not static human beings, do you know what I mean? Like, when I was younger... I used to like ketamine. I really don't do that anymore. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That is a very strange analogy, I know, but stick with it. I've changed as a person and I I will continue to change. And there will be things that I do or think and feel now that I won't in the future. And it's why I think the internet is bullshit because it's full of people waiting to tell other people they're wrong for thinking something in 1992. (laughs) you know and so this changing and this thinking it only means you are asking yourself helpful questions and I know it's difficult and I know trying to arrive everyone's wanting to try to arrive at a destination and we want to just get there and be there and get the ticket stamped but it's an evolving identity and it's changing. And I think this terminology, it holds us to red, green or blue, doesn't it? It says, which one do you like, red, green or blue? And some people, are, they like mauve. There is space for us all, I think. And I know that is easy to say when during Pride Month, there are very few identities that get to hold space and say, I am legitimate this this thing and this pride is my pride, you know. But I think it's all bollocks, actually. I just think we're, we should all just be allowed to be the weirdos that we want to be. And the language will fail us, the terminology will fail us, but we will keep on questioning. And do you know what? I would rather have a bev with you lot who are all thinking about it and questioning it, rather than a bunch of people who made a decision 10 years ago. 
you know? Just putting that out there. Love you, babes. I appreciate the vulnerability that you've come in the room with this and I've sort of gone, no, no, no. But I, I mean that to kind of give us encouragement to sit within the gaps. Hi, Scotty. Hi, producer Debs. Hi, Tim, Cat and Maya and all of the ATT gang. Um, it's Laura. I haven't rung in in like over a year, probably. I'm mainly ringing in just to say how touched I was with the Rubik's Cube love person it really got me and I don't want to do this in a in a patronizing way and I know that the inbox is going to be full of messages like this but I just want to send some love to that person it's not the romantic love they're looking for it's not the big love but it's the kind of love that you can send to a stranger with sympathy and solidarity. And yeah, I'm just, I'm so sorry that you've had those experiences in which you now feel you can't experience love. And I just, I just want to say that, like, I guess we're, we're just some random people on a podcast, but I just know that there are going to be so many hearts breaking for you. And, um, yeah, I just want to send you a little bit of love. Hi, Laura. Lovely to have you back. And offering this beautiful solidarity to this call. And I tell you what, this call has really stuck with me. I've really thought and felt it. I quite often have a little natter with this person. And what stuck with me is about this idea about... And it's very personal, and not putting this upon you, Laura, or the person that called, is the people that I've loved who haven't being able to be loved and oh I'm glad I'm not in those relationships anymore but I think queerness and their upbringings through queerness is so responsible for them feeling in this way and again I'm not posing this on the caller that called this is my what I've been ruminating about that call and it's really stuck with me about this desire that I have to be loved as well. <laughs> I mean, that'll come to no shock to anybody who listens to this. But how it does feel important to me, and not in a romantic way all the time, but in a way I think that definitely if we were to decipher it is to do to do with acceptance, is to do with not being abandoned. And so love is like a really complex desire, emotion, feeling, sensation. And I wonder if we're ever feel fulfilled because we have this idea of love being holy, completely about happiness and warmth, when actually I think love is really fucking complex and difficult. And and I wonder then if actually we do all have it, but our relationship with it is the thing that is changing, shifting. Hmm. Maybe this call is stuck with you. And I would love for us to bring it into the final episode. Information on how you can get in touch with us is coming up. Big thoughts in this episode. It was a chunky one, wasn't it? And I think I've been quite clumsy through it. And I'm kind of all right with that. Because, well, I try to be a nice person. And I am thinking on my feet. As you know, the first time I hear these calls is when you hear them. So I'm like, hmm, what do I think about this thing? 
anyway, remember next week my mum is in with me. So I mean she'll she'll know. <laughs> so pick up the blower. Let's make it a good one. Open up the WhatsApp, send us a voice note to this number. Zero seven double eight two hundred three four two zero particularly up for some more 10 second confessions you know if you've got a poem you know the end of season five is the only time that you're allowed to do that oh god fuck me why is it every time there's an end of season party there's someone who does a fucking poem anyway or maybe you've got a question for my mum i mean some of her specialized subjects are the irish diaspora care parenting queer geniuses or whatever i mean she's not approved also before we go a shout out this week to nj who says shout out this week to all the teachers who are out there dragging themselves to the end of term oh bless you if you're listening i hope it's a good and i hope you get a lovely summer break off so uh, that's it from me see you next time for the end of season seven finale <laughs> stay weird and stay wonderful and stay questioning see you soon After the ATT is presented by Scotty, produced by Maya Miller Lewis, executive producer Debbie Kilbride, vice producer Tim Bano, digital producer Capriel. After the Tone is a Debbie production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.